0: Hello and welcome, everyone, to another edition of Fake News Friday. It is Friday, October 14th, 2022, another week that was and lots more in the blizzard of lies that we try to expose and have a little bit of fun with on this weekly edition of the program here on True North. I am Andrew Lawton, joined as I shouldn't say as always, because last week I was uh, gone and Rupa was here, but but the the constant was Harrison Faulkner, the constant statement. Standing firm, the eye of the storm in the hurricane of lies. If I want to torture the metaphors of weather here, Harrison, how was the week for you, sir? Good. It was good. It's a big
1: week for us, Andrew. You know, we've got uh, Daniel Smith exploding heads at our very first press conference. Not missing any any chance to uh, to get it started, and of course. Uh, Yesterday was the kickoff of the inquiry into the public emergency order, so it's a big week, and of course with that, Andrew, means an endless supply of fake news material for us to get into today.
0: Yeah, I think we may have to, uh, over the course of the seven weeks of the Public Order Emergency Commission, detect a fair bit of uh, disinformation and misinformation coming from some of the uh, government witnesses there. But we will we will reserve judgment until those moments actually come. Lots more uh, outside of the commission this week to get into. Uh, let's actually start off with Danielle Smith. I know you talked about it on Ratio, and I talked about it on The Andrew Lawton Show. But this was really a, a perfect storm of media-freaking out here because danielle smith comes out and if you missed the clip she said in no uncertain terms that vaccine discrimination is unacceptable take a look
2: the community that faced the most restrictions on their freedoms in the last year were those who made a choice not to be vaccinated i don't think i've ever experienced a situation in my lifetime where a person was fired from their job or not allowed to watch their kids play hockey or not allowed to go visit a loved one in long-term care or hospital. We're not allowed to go get on a plane to either go across the country to see family or even travel across the border. So they have been the most discriminated against group that I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. That's a pretty extreme level of discrimination that we have seen. I don't take away any of the discrimination that I've seen in those other groups that you mentioned. But this has been an extraordinary time in the last uh, year in particular. And I want people to know that I find that unacceptable. That we are not going to create a segregated society on the basis of a a medical choice.
0: Again, I've been like wondering when a single politician in Canada who holds elected office was going to be speaking like that and it is not only the premier of Alberta Danielle Smith but at her very first press conference like half an hour after she was sworn in she's saying yeah vaccine discrimination is wrong they're the most discriminated against group she's seen in her lifetime and it will not happen on her watch now the most discriminated against group in her lifetime that was the part that the media latched on to And I want to share, interestingly enough, uh, a tweet from uh, Brian uh, Breguet, who is too close to call on Twitter, where he said it was actually quite brilliant because anyone who was condemning her remarks had to like accept the fundamental premise that yes, the unvaccinated were victims of discrimination. So she shifted the Overton window a a bit there, Brian pointed out, and I thought quite aptly so. But people didn't like it. And just to to go over some of the responses here, I'll take a couple and and you can take a couple. Sherry Denovo, the former NDP member of provincial parliament in Ontario, Reverend Sherry Denovo, I should say, says white straight supremacy and privilege, you have a spokesperson. Oh yeah, Burn. Uh, Evan Solomon, who, generally speaking, I like, he said, Why do some politicians never mention the 45,662 Canadians who died of COVID or their families as if they are not victims of the pandemic? Or the healthcare workers who worked overtime under brutal conditions and risked their own families' health? I, why do politicians not mention COVID deaths and healthcare workers For the last three years, I think that's all politicians and media have been talking about. And I don't think anyone, including Danielle Smith, is trying to diminish the losses of people who died of COVID. I think the issue is that she's trying to point out that there have been other costs to this that no one has been speaking about. This is not a zero-sum game. You can't just say, well, if we're talking about one group, it means we're not talking about others. No, she's just saying, why is no one talking about discrimination against the unvaccinated?
1: Exactly. And not only is she not just saying that, she's also saying in her, in her statements, very importantly, Andrew, that she's not taking away from discrimination of any other group faced in this country. She's just saying that in her lifetime, and again, I think those comments are completely defend, like you can defend those comments 100%. There's an argument to be, to be made there. I made the point yesterday, in my lifetime, I have never seen the discrimination faced by unvaccinated people in this country. It is insane. It is in, unacceptable. And so it really, I think it exposes a lot of these people, Andrew, for taking such an issue with a statement that is what would seem to be, Totally reasonable and totally normal comments. The fact that you take such an issue with a Canadian politician saying that the discrimination faced by the unvaccinated is unacceptable is exposing these people who they must, I mean, to take issue with that statement, you must be on the side that says, actually, this is okay. It is okay. Otherwise, how could you really challenge that statement? If you want to challenge that statement, bring together some actual arguments, bring together some legitimate uh, counter arguments to this case. If you're just taking issue with it, it sounds like you're actually in favor of the segregation of the unvaccinated. And I think it really exposed a lot of people. And look, there's, there's some other incredible... Incredible things to get into here. You have Charles Adler, uh, who I've I've considered to be one of the uh, fakest conservatives in this country. He's He's a commentator on Twitter, very active on Twitter. He wrote this. Has Daniel Smith ever met an indigenous person, a black person, a brown person, a woman? No, Andrew, I'm sure Daniel Smith has never met a woman in her life. He goes on to say, a brown woman in a hijab, a woman without a hijab in Iran? How do you live on this planet in this century and miss every freaking frame of every scene? (laughs) <laughs> Very odd take there from Charles Adler. Again, this idea that you can't you can't defend the unvaccinated. That's a big no-no, it turns out, in, in, in the Canadian political establishment, Andrew. I didn't really know that, but after uh, Tuesday's comments and the reaction to them, I realized that actually that is the one group of people you can't publicly defend if you're a leader in office. Strange times we're living in.
0: Yeah, and I should say, Danielle Smith put out a statement on Wednesday clarifying her comments. She didn't retract. She didn't apologize. She said, look, obviously, she's not trying to diminish discrimination that other groups have experienced. And I, and I pointed out on my show that it, it's it's difficult to get into the comparison game because in her lifetime, gay marriage was illegal. So that's significant discrimination against gay people. In her lifetime, there were residential schools. So that's a a form of discrimination that we saw in in some of those. But the the point is, is that we should be able to, on its face, say that the discrimination against the unvaccinated is is wrong. And interestingly enough, the the one that I found to be the most insidious of these uh, tweets, it was a, a tweet from a CTV reporter, Brianna Karsten Smith, who says Premier Danielle Smith has released a statement following her false claim that unvaccinated people have been the most discriminated against group in her lifetime. This is not a commentator. This is a reporter who's supposed to be dispassionate and objective and unbiased saying that this was a false claim. To go back to, you know, first year university here, certain things are normative, which means they are inherently subjective. You can argue for them. You can argue against them. The claim that the unvaccinated are the most discriminated against group in Danielle Smith's lifetime is an argument. You may disagree with the argument. You may agree with the argument, but it is an argument. So how can it be false and how can a reporter just say, without offering any evidence, that that is a false claim? And this is the type of stuff that the media does with conservatives, where they turn fact-checking into this weapon and convince the world that they have the authority to determine what's true and what's false. It's it's really
1: really insidious. You you you, you know. This idea that you can just, as a reporter, say that this person is false or uh, as another reporter from the Globe and Mail said that this statement would make sense if Daniel Smith was two toddlers stacked in a blazer, it's its its minimizing the fact and the reality that just last year, Andrew, unvaccinated Canadians couldn't go see a dying parent in a long-term care center. They couldn't get on an airplane, a train, or a boat to go to another well, not place. Not
0: last year. I mean, two months ago. Two months ago. Uh, one month ago.
1: In their own country. So this idea that, that that you know, we can minimize the discrimination faced by this group and we have to amplify the discrimination that, I'm sorry, I think in, in if we're looking in recent terms, in the last few years, there's nothing that can compare, not even close. It's incredible. And this is another very important point. A lot of these reactions, completely unhinged reactions to this statement, are talking about Daniel Smith pushing white supremacy. This is some sort of a, a, a racial thing that she's... You know, she's now the spokesperson for white supremacists. <laughs> the reality is, Andrew, we have indigenous Canadians who, in large numbers, are unvaccinated. Black Canadians are in large numbers unvaccinated. It is so short-sighted and so, uh, it's it's so insane to me that we have reporters, political establishment figures, former politicians, current politicians even, making this point, knowing full well, actually, that many Canadians of many different backgrounds, races, ethnic, ethnicities, have a multitude of reasons to not, be un, to not be vaccinated. And so we're just going to basically say, no, the, the only politician that's speaking up for you, the only politician that has since, you know, since becoming elected displayed a spine and actually spoken for those people, actually, no, she's the mouthpiece for white supremacy. No wonder, Andrew, it took, one, it took until now for us to get a, a real politician to actually say these words, not until truckers in Ottawa with nothing to lose broke the ice, went there and went and did that first, then the floodgates opened, then conservatives started to speak up for unvaccinated people. And to this day, we're now seeing people on the other side of the aisle, now basically saying that anyone who does that is promoting white supremacy. It's racist to say that. What, what, what kind of country is this now? It's insane.
0: Yeah, and the whole point of the supposed trend towards intersectionality is that we were supposed to look at the intersections of all these things. So if there are systemic reasons that uh, certain ethnic minorities are not getting vaccinated, we need to be able to deal with that. But instead, we vilify them, and anyone who stands up for the unvaccinated is a uh, dirty white supremacist. So uh, these are the rules. I don't make them. I'm just trying to interpret them in real time here. Uh, What's the oldest political wisdom in the book to the left? Never let a crisis go down to waste. And as I remarked on Twitter the other day, sometimes these people just can't help themselves. Uh, From CTV, Ukraine war may be a blessing for climate, UN weather chief says. The head of the UN weather agency says that from a climate perspective, uh, Putin just invading Ukraine and uh, senselessly trying to conquer territory and kill people. Is a blessing from a climate perspective because it's accelerating the development and investment in green energies over the longer term. Even though fossil fuels are right now at a record time of high demand, but uh, you know we we don't talk about that part. This is from uh, Petteri Talis, who's the secretary general of the World Meteorological Association. He says from the five to ten year timescale, it's clear the war in Ukraine will speed up our consumption of fossil energy. Think of how good it'll be for the climate if Putin nukes. Ukraine and there's just like no one admitting uh, anything in that part of the world won't that be really great I, I, honestly I can't believe these people I, they're saying the quiet part out loud
1: no exactly And we hear so much about you know we, we always hear Andrew about misinformation and disinformation and fighting back against conspiracies but why does it feel as though the UN and some of these people just, they just throw fuel onto the fire of conspiracies. If you didn't want people to think that there's something something else going on or there's people trying to take advantage of this conflict, then why would you say something like this? And the, the idea that you could really write an article about this giving it basically Credence making putting weight behind these statements is is also hilarious. I took issue with CTV for even writing the story It's just incredible to me and this idea again that it's a a blessing for the climate Andrew But in the five to ten year time scale, we're gonna speed up our consumption of fossil fuels It's great for the climate Andrew But now we have Germany and we have all these other countries panicking trying to get oil trying to get fossil fuels into their countries to heat themselves over the winter so my No,
0: but the the panic is part of the fun because the panic (laughs) is gonna be what makes them switch to like solar and crystals.
1: Yeah, only after you have to freeze first, you have to go through the winter of uh, the frozen winter, and then all of a sudden we're just going to immediately transition in 10 years time, of course, so great for the environment, we're going to transition. To uh, to this green revolution, and we're gonna we're gonna thank Putin, and we're gonna thank the whole uh, this whole crisis for it. Very strange, very strange time. But I will say, this does kind of justify, I think, Andrew Justin Trudeau's comments regarding Germany's request for us to provide them with oil. Remember, Justin Trudeau, when when Germany came begging for Canadian uh, fossil fuels to help them get through the winter. Uh, Member Justin Trudeau said there's no business case we made for it. Again, didn't sound very wise because of course the Germans would be paying for it all. But no, there's no business case we made for it, and we understand why, Andrew, because this conflict is supposed to be this great. It's supposed to be this great green revolution. I guess we're going to. It's going. It's going to spur us on to a, a new era of green energy. I, I just I saw this and I really thought this can't be right. Turns out it's 100% real, and this really did come from a UN weather chief. Strange times.
0: Yeah, and just a minor correction. It it was LNG that uh, the Liberals said there was no business case for. But oddly, all the Canadian companies that export LNG were saying, no, we think there's totally a business case for it. So it's just like Trudeau's own ideological opposition to it. But I I will point out here that what we're seeing from the UN dude here is very much aligned with the Great Reset narrative we saw during the lockdown, where you got all these people that were just like giddy about, ooh, when everyone's locked in their homes. Think of how good it is for the climate because cars aren't on the road and and they don't understand that this thing that they are so invested in is coming because people's lives are being ruined and in this particular case it's literal war that they're saying is good for the climate.
1: No, it's it's very very odd and I want to kind of pull some of these pull some of these quotes from the article cuz it's 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 crazy. So he basically says that the rising prices for carbon spewing fuels like oil, gas, and coal, carbon spewing fuels, that's a new one, I haven't actually heard that before, Uh, have also made higher price renewable energies like solar, wind, and hydrothermal more competitive in the energy marketplace. So yeah, you've got to, again, like I said, you've got to go through the frozen winter, you've got to basically freeze for everyone to get on the same page that actually we need to just ditch them all and go to the, you know, solar, wind, and hydrothermal energies. Again, it's just it's just crazy. This is how you fuel conspiracies. This is how you make people go go crazy with all these stuff. He writes the energy sector currently is responsible for about three quarters of emissions of heat-trapping greenhouse gases, and he called for a complete transformation of the global energy system. Andrew, like you said. Clearly, they're not letting any they're not letting this go to waste at all and they're going to push their climate agenda through this no matter what
0: oh boy yeah it's the old Rahm emanuel wisdom as I said at the top of the segment here never let a crisis go to waste uh, but be beyond the uh, benefit to the climate of a uh, potential nuclear calamity uh, let's turn to Halloween coming up in a couple of weeks and unless you want to go as the World Meteorological Organization secretary General for uh, Halloween I think uh, Halloween is being canceled right now at least in Toronto where there have been some reports from parents that TDSB schools Toronto District School Board schools have banned the use of the name Halloween on well on on Halloween uh, so it, it's now no longer Halloween it is something that uh, they're calling I don't even know what they're calling in the past they've called it like black and orange day. Uh, but I don't even know if that's permitted here. So there are some of the rules: uh, costumes which appropriate another culture cannot be worn. Uh, you can't wear masks at school, ironically, because after you know two years of forcing students to wear masks, you now can't wear Halloween masks. And what else do we have here? Uh, you can't have dance for Halloween, but you can have a movement session. So you can do like mindful stretching instead of dancing. So they're they're like trying to mimic Halloween without actually having Halloween, which would be like saying, we're going to put up a tree and give presents, but it's not Christmas. We, Andrew, this has been a
1: slow burn, right? We've slowly been watching this for how many years now? Five or six. I feel like the, the political correctness really took aim at Halloween and now we've now we've gone so far that of course it started off with you know saying you couldn't bring toy guns to you know add to your costume you couldn't then bring certain things that w- it would offend people and now we can't even use the word Halloween it's 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 really crazy now when i first write this i i'm, I'm hoping that you know, again, we can't we can't have masks, we can't have we, there can't be any dances. You got to be very careful. And you know, it says, you know, costumes which are offensive to someone's race or identity will not be tolerated. I'm just making sure, Andrew, that there's no Halloween party in Ottawa at uh, amongst parliament making sure that the TDSB line about the costumes are offensive costumes mocking race makes it to our prime minister. It would really be a shame if uh, this memo from TDSB didn't make it up to Justin Trudeau. It would be a shame to see him in, in, in blackface one more time. Again, it's just, it is really, it is really crazy that we're going through this whole thing where we have to pretend as though these students are so, they're so, um, what's the right word for it? They're so coddled that they can't even be, they can't even dress up as, uh, you know, in, in costumes it's just a sad kind of state of affairs. They're ripping away Halloween from kids. They're taking all the fun away from it because we have to pretend as though really these costumes are that offensive. Very, very... Unfortunate that we're that we're here. And again, this whole point that you can't wear masks, you can't wear a mask in school now. But we do have to. Pretend I, I'm to I'm so. all
0: on board with the mask ban. I will take the Halloween mask ban if it means that every type of mask yes, exactly. is banned. So you you can't so you can't go as like Amir Miradoran or Nilly Kaplan Mirth for Halloween, which I think is like the real uh, success story here for all of us. Um, in in any event, let's uh, let's turn to this one, which I I find bizarre because I actually. I'm a big fan in companies not having to be political. I, I love the idea of the neutral corporation that doesn't weigh in on politics. I don't really care if they're liberal or conservative. I just want them to make the products they make. Ben & Jerry's has long been an activist company and, and they've usually done this in the US. It's very vermont The the company. Ben & Jerry are very political. That's their right as individuals. It's their right as a company. But Ben & Jerry's Canada is is now going on this crusade to interfere or intervene in Canadian school board elections because, as you see in the graphic there, the far right is stacking our school boards. The far right is stacking our school boards. And uh, you have to, like one Cherry Garcia pint at a time, uh, rectify this trend. And I'm just, I'm kind of like, there's that old line, sir, this is a Wendy's, that is meant when someone just goes on this, like, political crusade. But now I'm like, you know, sir, you're an ice cream guy. Just, like, just make me my ice cream.
1: So we have we have so many parody accounts going around on Twitter, Andrew, that it's tough to really know when you see something so absurd. You really do have to do your own research to figure out what you're actually looking at, if it's real or not. And the problem is, I did I did some digging. I was very... I saw this, and I really couldn't believe it. I, I thought this must be a parody account because the Ben and Jerry's Canada Twitter page is is not verified. But if you go and look on the other page, the other Twitter pages, there's a Ben and Jerry's Mexico, a Ben and Jerry's u k. they're all verified. But for some reason, the Canadian one isn't verified. But sure enough, it is real. This is a legitimate story. This is from their actual Twitter account, and they are. They are meddling in the Canadian local elections. And again, when I first saw this, I thought, this is probably like a gray zone area, you know. I, I don't even know if this is properly legal. I guess it must be uh, unless someone is gonna gonna call them out on it. It is a Ameri- It is an American company meddling in local Canadian elections. <laughs> it's so it's so incredible to me because they also partner with anti hate Canada anti hate uh, the 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 sort of the far left blog that kind of attacks the opponents of the establishment, attacks Trudeau's political opponents and writes hit pieces against them. As we know, anti-hate is government funded. So when you see this, Ben and Jerry's Canada, the ice cream makers, they're partnering with anti-hate to basically tell you that the far right uh, must be stopped at the local school board elections. This is funny because, Andrew, I'm pretty sure if you look at all these school boards, they're pretty much occupied by people who are demanding we return to masks demanding that teachers get more time off, pushing critical race theory and doing everything possible to try and make education as woke and as far away from learning and more so toward indoctrination. Yeah, I wish wish there were a right-wing
0: conspiracy to like take over the school boards. I want that. You
1: know what? Yeah, we could probably do with a couple of right-wingers, some conservatives in our school boards just to balance it out a little bit. But again, it's the idea that Finally, it looks as though, the, the, the overarching point I think is this, that actually conservatives are starting to pay attention to a, an area of uh, of our po- political system, which we've turned a blind eye to for many years. And now we see the problems. Look at, look at our current school boards. Look at what we're dealing with. <laughs> look at the school board, the, the teacher in Halton, in the Halton District School Board, for goodness sake. That's our problem here. So, of course, the 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 first sign, Andrew, of conservatives taking school board elections seriously, out come not only the activists on Twitter, but the corporations, American corporations, telling us that we need to fight back against the far right. I think this is probably a sign that conservatives are doing the right thing and finally paying attention to school boards, which they've neglected for way too long.
0: Yeah. And just before we move on here, I I did a bit of like digging around the Ben and Jerry's Canada website. And I found this one from July, which I, I wish we had access to in July. This is Canada Day. Let's look at the truth behind how Canada became the country it is. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Ben and Jerry's a foreign country committed to learning about Canada's history. And then the graphic, oh, Canada, our home on stolen land. So... This is basically the Ben and Jerry's way, just to get in there and start crapping all over the country. Uh, but we always try to end things on a bit of a lighter note. So the new flavor of uh, preach cobbler, I don't think, is uh, going down too well. But let's talk about CBC's pivot here: 1.4 billion dollars worth of taxpayer money every year. They have to be nimble, and there's a new job. Yeah, Andrew, there's a new,
1: there's a new, a whole new occupation in journalism, and it is for people to write these, uh, well, TikTok producer. You have to basically go on your phone and do a 30 second hit, pretend as though you're really doing hard-hitting journalism. It's the CBC's newest attempt, freshest attempt at Watergate journalism, holding power to account. What they're doing is they're hiring TikTok producers and they've just hired this new TikTok producer. And she writes on Twitter, very excited about her new gig. She writes, some work news today. I start a new adventure as the TikTok producer for CBC News. I can't wait to tell stories on the not so little social platform and join the fabulous social team at CBC. So we're seeing, Andrew, this new, this rise of new journalism. Fresh out of the journalism schools. What are we getting from them? Well, we're getting these hard-hitting, holding power to account journalists on TikTok. Great stuff. I'm just so glad to see that the CBC is nimble. They're fresh. They're adapting to new platforms. I'm sure now with the TikTok producer, now with the TikTok journalist, like Global News, they are going to start finally holding the government to account. I can't wait. Very excited.
0: So you didn't apply for
1: the gig I take it. No, I didn't apply but I'm 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 kind of jealous I have to say about this. I think it would be great. It probably, to- it
0: probably pays like 150,000 a year know. to be like the CBC TikTok producer. Amazing. I don't know. I'm just speculating based on uh, government salary. All right. Well, all the budding TikTok producers out there, go and get your uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream and uh, then tweet your nasty things about Danielle Smith. That's how we weave it all together here. And uh, understand that the uh, war in Ukraine is saving the climate. Uh, We will end things there. I hope you all have an absolutely fantastic weekend. You can catch Harrison Faulkner on Ratioed. You can catch me on the Andrew Lawton Show. And if you head on over to tnc.news, you can catch all sorts of fantastic stuff. Uh, we don't have a TikTok producer though so buyer beware have a great weekend everyone
2: thank you God bless and good day to you all